Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. So as I was saying, <laughs> when you come into a relationship with Christ, it's, it's much more than just praying a prayer. It's a relationship. You initiate a conversation with God. But you've got to get to know his voice because you'll hear a lot of voices in the world. There are spiritual voices that will speak to you. They're not godly voices. They're voices of darkness. But they come as voices of light. And you've got to learn to recognize the difference between the Holy Spirit and other spirits. Okay? You've got to get to know the nature of God, his nature and his ways. And we're in a series right now talking about that. And the title of our series is Transformation. And these are all available to you. It's all free. Just go to highwaychurch.us or josephbosco.us. Either website, Joseph Bosco Ministries is josephbosco.us or highwaychurch.us. Click on the media page, and, and we, you're just about on every kind of podcast platform there is, from Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts and Spotify and, and ones I don't even know of we're on, okay? And it's all free, and you can, this is part four of the series, so you can go back to part one, listen to part one, two, three, listen to four again, usually the Sunday's message comes out about lunchtime on Tuesday. All right? Are we still good back there, Jude? Yeah. Thumb. Thanks, Demon. Hallelujah. So we want to know his nature. We want to know what, what God's voice sounds like. If I didn't know what my wife's voice sounded like, I'd be in, in, very confused, wouldn't I? I wouldn't be able to have a relationship with her if I didn't know the sound of her voice. Isn't that interesting? There are many people who really don't have a relationship with God because they don't know the sound of his voice. They don't know his nature. I know the sound of her voice, and I know her nature. You, you can't fool me. If you came to me and said, Jennifer said this, I'll know right away if she really said it or didn't because I know her better than you do. <laughs> I know her nature. I know her nature. And there's things I just know she'll never say and she'll never do because I know her. Well, you want to know God better than you want to know anyone else, all right? And, and, and that's right, yeah. And Because people are going to come to you and say, God did this. Or God told me that you need to do this. That doesn't mean that God told them that. It could be a minister that says, I have a word of prophecy for you. The Lord says unto you this. It doesn't mean it's God speaking. It doesn't. You need to test everything you hear with the Word of God. But how are you going to test it with the Word if you don't know the Word? You can't test it. So there are a lot of people driving blind in their Christian life. They're getting words from people, but they don't know how to test it. They might say, you know, that God took your loved one because he had some divine purpose. And it's a minister telling you that. Is that true? Never. How do I know that? 
is in here. Jesus didn't take loved ones away. He raised them from the dead. <laughs> That's what God does at funerals. He raises people up. He doesn't take people prematurely. He never does that. There's no divine purpose in that. The only reason people believe that is because they don't know the true nature of God. They don't know his ways, and they don't know his word. They've, been, they've taken it out of context, context or they misunderstood it. So we want to get into the word. Get yourself a hard copy Bible. You cannot know him intimately without this. You can know him a little bit, but not to, not to the point where you can, can walk on devils kick devils out of your life. Do the things Jesus did. If you really want to do the things Jesus did, this book is essential. You've got to know it. You've got to know it inside and out. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about that because we're being transformed this year. This is a year 2020 of, 2021 of transformation. And the Holy Spirit's doing it every time we gather. And he'll be doing it all week long in your life if you're surrendering to him, if you're submitting to him. That's our relationship with him. He's the leader. We're the submitter, right? We're not leading and asking him to follow our plans, right? No, he's leading and we're following his plan because he's God. He knows a whole lot more than we could ever know, right? So he's the leader of our lives. We're simply following him, worshiping him, surrendering to him, submitting to him, and letting him lead. So we're talking about transformation, and this is certainly a year, this transformation that's taking place here in the Highway family is leading us into a transition, and that's going to unfold as the years, as this year, the months in this year begin to uh, unfold as well. Now, we realize in this series we've said that we can't transform ourselves. There's no expert in this world that can transform you. The best that man can try and do is behavior modification. And that doesn't work because it's external. It doesn't really change you on the inside, right? The change that we're talking about is by the power of the Holy Spirit from the inside, from the core of you, all the way out, and it's a change that lasts forever. It's a change that nothing can stop or take away. It's a change that permeates every area of your life. Hallelujah. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being permanently different than you were before. If you were grumpy and irritable before, you'll be happy and joyful. Is it possible? Yeah. Haven't you seen Scrooge? We're talking about a Scrooge transformation here, right? New person. <laughs> My favorite Christmas stories. Thank you, Charles Dickens. <laughs> He's a Dickens, that Charles. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you were weak before, you become strong. If you were afraid, you become unafraid. If you are sick, you become healthy. This is the transformation we're talking about. Religion is weak and powerless. Jesus is perfect power. We're talking about you being whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. If you are broke, you become rich. 
If you are lacking, you have an abundant supply. What if I told you Jesus became poor so that you might be rich? Is that a true statement? Well, how do you know? It's, where is it at in the Word? Anyone know? 2 Corinthians chapter, it's either verse, chapter 8, verse 9, or 9, verse 8. I get those two flipped. The other one is God is able to make all grace abound to you so in all things at all times having all need you abound in every good work. That's the other one. 9, 8, 9, 8. Yeah, 8, 9, they go together. But you've got to know that. Because you can hear, uh-oh, there's a minister. He said, God wants you to be rich. And like, oh, no, stay away from him, right? That's, a, that's that prosperity gospel. How do you know what to listen to? You've got to know the word. Hallelujah. God prosper. You'll see God prospering his people in the word financially every time. Why? Because he has, first of all, because he loves you, and any parent would do that for their child. Everything I have belongs to my kids without question. And he's a good, good father, much better than I could ever be, right? So you've got to know God for yourself. You've got to know him personally. You've got to know him intimately in your own heart. No one can do that for you. And it comes by talking to him and studying the scriptures to learn his nature. All right? And we're going to do that right now. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We've learned in our series that God is 100% light. 100% light. He's 100% life. He's 100% good. There's nothing bad about him. No evil dwells with him. He can't do evil. He doesn't know how. He doesn't work with Satan. Satan is an adversary of God. God has never subcontracted Satan to, to humble somebody. We saw that very clearly last week. You can listen to it uh, through our website. Get the podcast. Listen to it. You'll discover, and I remember when I first began to read the Bible myself, I thought, man, all the untruths I learned in religion, I had to unlearn. The things that ministers told me I found weren't true, that Jesus was different than what these licensed ministers had told me my whole life. I got a little mad personally. I was like, ooh, why'd they tell me that? And I got fired up, and I began, I'm going to know him. I'm going to know him as he is. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be all he's created me to be. Hallelujah. You've got you to gotta be a fighter. Hallelujah. It's a good fight of faith. You've got to make up your mind, I'm going to know him. I don't care what anyone else thinks of me. I don't care what people say about me. Talk to the hand, right? <laughs> Romans 12. Verse 2, listen, if God is not 100% light, if he's not 100% good, if he's not 100% life, we cannot trust him. If all of a sudden tomorrow he decides to break my arm to humble me, how can I trust him? That's perversion. He's good all the time. What What would you do if on the news you say, okay, pastor breaks his children's arms to humble them? Story at 11. What would you think? There's a good father. Of course not. What would you think? Jail time, right? Lock him up. Why would we ever think that about God? Why would we think we are better parents than him? Hello? This sounds like Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Read it. 
All right, not now. We're going to Romans 12 too. Write it down. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, story at 11. <laughs> Romans 12 2. Let's go there. Romans 12 2. And do not be conformed to this world. That's behavior modification. That's, that's change that comes from outside, pressure from the outside to change you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where it all happens. We learn that there are three parts to us, right? Spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. What does your soul consist of? Your soul and your spirit aren't the same thing. Most people don't know that. Your spirit, you are a spirit being. God is a spirit. He made you in his image. You're a spirit, all right? You have a soul, which are tools that you've been given. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are the tools that are attached to your spirit, but it's not who you are. So you can have things going through your mind, but that's not who you are. You can have feelings, but that's not who you are. Most people live in the realm of the soul, and they think because I'm thinking this or because I'm feeling this, I must be this, and that's not true. Your soul can lie to you. It needs renewed. It needs changed. It needs brought in under the authority of the nature of God. That's what renewing your mind is. We, take the, we, we replace the wrong stuff with the right stuff. If you have wrong concepts of God and wrong concepts of yourself in your mind, it blocks what God can do in your life. Your mind is the passageway from your spirit into your soul and into your body and into the rest of your life. So your mind is, is, is vitally important. What you keep in your mind determines how much of God you experience. That's a big deal. So if I'm determined to keep wrong thoughts about God and about myself in my mind, I'm clogging the passageway. Even though I'm born again and I'm saved, and I prayed that prayer and I meant it with all my heart, I can live a frustrated, beat up, discouraged life of bondage because there's stuff, thoughts in my mind that I'm holding on to that are contrary to his true nature and ways. So renewing the mind is getting into his word and letting the truth of God permeate my mind and remove that wrong stuff. Like John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. That's a mind renewal right there. That one verse gives us a litmus test to discern what is from God and what is not from God. He came that we'd have life and life abundantly. Stealing, killing, destroying, deception, bondage, sickness, all these things steal from us. They're never from God. But if you don't know that, you can't resist it and stand against it and take authority of it over it because you've been told it's from God. Hallelujah. Are we okay? Does this hurt a little bit? <laughs> it's good to change. Holy Spirit change. Renewing the mind with the truth of God's nature. That you may prove, we still have up there, that you may prove. Um, I thought God's will was obvious. 
It's not. No, it's not. We're living in a world of darkness. Satan is the god of this world. What? Who taught us that? Jesus, the apostle Paul, and the rest of the scriptures. Satan's the god of this world, and he is trying to cover God's will from you. The last thing he wants you to know is it's God's will for you to be well. That's God's will for you to be whole and healthy and strong. And that God provided for your healing through his son. And that you can receive it right now through simple faith in Christ. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to ever hear what I just said. And some are like, what? What? You, you, you're the only one who can prove God's will in your life. God's will does not automatically happen. I don't know who got that idea, but it wasn't from Jesus. And it wasn't from the scriptures. We're living in a fallen world. And there are millions of things happening every day. I haven't counted them, but I'm just guessing because there's a lot of people in the world. Millions of things happening every day that are contrary to the will of God. When people say, um, listen, sir, God is sovereign, you're wrong. Well, that's what people say. They say God's sovereignty means that he's controlling everything. That is not what Jesus taught us. Hello. God's sovereignty means he's above all. In his sovereignty, he made man in his image, and he gave man authority, sovereignty over the earth. Man rejected God, sinned against God, and Satan stole that authority, and Satan became the God of this world. So God's will is not automatically happen. If you believe that, you're in for some, some major challenges and shocks because Satan will, will take you for everything you've got. That's what he does. He's a liar and a thief, and he's good at it, and he wears nice clothes, and he's got a ton of followers. He's got, he's got influence online and through the media. So you've got to know the voice of your father if you're going to be able to prove God's will in your life. How do I prove God's will? I learn his nature and his ways. And so I can know that's from God, that's not from God. That's from God, that's not from God. What's not from God, I re- reject and resist. What's from God, I embrace. Have you ever noticed that your body, no religion whatsoever, that your body automatically fights against sickness? Do you know that about the human body? Now, I know our bodies are fallen and they're mortal now, not, not the way God created them. But even in our fallen state, that, that if your body's working properly, it naturally fights against diseases. You don't have to believe anything. That's just the way it was made, right? Well, if our bodies naturally fight against it, why is that? What's, that? what's that telling us? It's not how we were made. It's an enemy, right? It's an intruder. It needs to be put out, right? It's, it's weird thinking and weird things that are taught to get people to accept sickness. Sickness is your enemy, and you don't accept it for a moment. You get to know your rights and who you are in Christ, and you kick it out of your life. Hallelujah. Let's, let's, let's do this verse, verse 2 in a new century version, Romans 12, 2, new century version. It says, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. 
So I can say, God, change me, but it's not going to happen if I'm not willing to change the way I think. I can go to church 100 days a week, (laughs) and then nothing's going to happen. I can pray and fast for the rest of my life. Nothing will happen. The, the When transformation begins is when I begin to change the way I think and I begin to believe what he said over what man says. That's when transformation begins. No prayer or fasting needed. Just believing what he said. I say that deliberately because people have got caught up in their religious rituals. You've got to pray for so many hours. You've got to fast. No, Jesus said, they said, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe in the one whom he sent. There's a lot of Old Testament practices that are going on in New Testament churches. We're people of faith. We believe and we see it. Prayer is fellowship with God, talking to God, worshiping him. Yeah, you can pray. You know, the more I I learned what God did for me, I realized I don't ever need to ask him for anything again. I don't. He already provided it. What do I need to do? Realize what he's provided for me and speak it into my life. So my prayer is not, oh, God, please do this. Oh, God, do that. Oh, God, help me here. Oh, God, do that. I mean, I understand I was in that place before because I didn't know him, and that's okay. At least you're talking to him, but you don't want to stay in that thinking. You want to learn what he's already done for you so that you can walk in it, so that your time of prayer is a time of rejoicing and victory and authority and fellowshipping with God and speaking things into the earth speaking things over your life and over other people's lives. Not a time of begging. God loves you too much. You never need to beg him for anything. He's already given it to you through his son. Woo! That's exactly right. That's good. I like that. Religion makes you a beggar. Faith makes you a believer, right? So true. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Where are we going to find this new way of thinking? Is this like a new age philosophy you're hearing? There are many who would come into a church like this and think, oh, boy, this is some kind of goofy new age philosophy. Where are we going to find this new way of thinking? Well, this new way of thinking is actually not very new. It's the oldest way of thinking. It's God's way of thinking. It's new to us because we've fallen away from him, right? All of us have fallen short. All of us separated ourselves from him through sin. Now through Christ we've been reunited, but we've got to change our thinking. Your thinking doesn't automatically change when you put your faith in him. Hello. Your spirit's made new. Your spirit's made new the moment you put your faith in Christ. If if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know your spirit is brand new. It's brand new. It's clean. It's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. God made Jesus sin, and he gave you his righteousness. You're clean now. There's no condemnation for you. You're a a son. You're a daughter of God now. That's a reality the moment you put your faith in Christ. Now you need to learn about that in your mind so that you can experience it from your spirit. Understand that? So you want to learn about in your mind what happened to you in your spirit, what God did in your spirit through his son. It is not automatic. It is a relationship. We had to get to know each other. We were were dating, I don't know, let's see, 
uh, October, uh, what was it, October of 1992, we started dating. Then we were engaged November 13th of 93, married December of 94. So how many years is that? I need a calculator, too. So we knew each other a couple. We were officially together for two years, knew each other before that, before we were ever married. But we had to keep learning, keep getting to know each other, right? You learn things about each other. You get to know each other. You get to appreciate things you can't appreciate if you're not married. You get to know a person that you, in ways you can't know them if you're not married to them, right? You got to know your father intimately as a husband would know his wife. That's eternal life. Jesus said that, John 17, 3, story at 11. <laughs> Hallelujah. So where do we go to find this new way of thinking? Well, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning. Where's the beginning in the Bible? We've got to go back further than that, though. If I want to go back further than Genesis in the Bible, where do I go? Good job. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You got to go back further than Genesis. Did you know that? Now, isn't John in the New Testament? Sure it is. Fourth book in the New Testament. How could John be further back than Genesis? Because before Adam was, Jesus is. John 1 verse 1. This may be the most important verse in the Bible. Just maybe. Story at 11. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning. Now Genesis starts by saying, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right? But this is before that. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, see, there are people who have changed that. There is a cult, the Jehovah Witnesses, have changed that verse in their Bible. Their, their Bible reads, and the Word was a God. But the, the Bible wasn't written in English. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament in Hebrew. There's no a in the Greek. If there's an ah, we're crazy. If he was a God, I don't, I'm not interested. I want to know God. So let's read that again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible teaches us something that your natural mind might have a hard time with. Well, maybe a lot of things. But it says there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. One God. In three persons. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Now, if you'll keep reading, we don't have the time to do it, but I encourage you to read the rest of John chapter 1 today. You'll find out that the Word is not talking about a noun, an adjective, a pronoun, or a verb. It's talking about a person. It's talking about the person of God. Who is it talking about? Jesus is the Word. We want to take our time here because this is huge. This will absolutely catapult you into a different way of living if you grab a hold of this. Jesus is 
the word of God. That doesn't mean he's a verb or an adjective or a noun or a pronoun or, or, or a, a particle of grammar. What do we mean? Why does the Bible, why does this vital verse say that Jesus is the word? What does that mean? Well, if you want to understand something, go to Jesus. Let Jesus explain God to you, not man. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you hear that? In other words, words are an expression of the heart. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the expression of God's heart. Did you catch that? Jesus is the perfect expression of the heart of God. Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 tell us that he's the exact representation of God's nature. So when you're looking at Jesus in your hard copy Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you're looking at the, not a, the expression of God's heart. You won't find him making one person sick in his ministry. And he's the same today. God has never changed. He can't change. He's perfect. Only those who aren't perfect have to change, right? He's never lacked a thing. He's always been 100% God, right? So Jesus is the expression of the heart of God. So we're going to follow God's MO in life, God's method of operation. If you want to experience transformation, God's way is he always puts his word first, always, above everything else. We're talking about transformation. If you want to be transformed by the Christ, you must decide to put God's word first in your life. Not legalistically. I'm going to say that again. Not legalistically. If you want to be transformed by God, you must learn to do things as he does them. The most important thing, the, the, the very foundation that we see in the beginning is was the word was first. That means as a man in 2021 living in Massachusetts... I choose daily to put his word first in my thought processes. I, I build in my mind a foundation of the expression of God's heart. Are you, are you with me? I study Jesus in the scriptures. I study the will and nature of God in the scriptures. And I build this foundation in my mind so that when other stuff comes along and tries to take a, a foothold in my thinking, it meets the nature, the expression of God's heart, and it's rejected. 
Now, when we talk about God's word first, I want to emphasize again that I'm not talking about legalism. Legalism ruins people's lives. There are churches you can go to and they've got a long checklist of the things they tell you you need to do to be right with God. You, you have to wear your hair a certain way. You have to wear a certain kind of clothes. You have to go to confession. You have to do all these things. You have to pray a certain way. Uh, some, some say you've got to pray quietly. Some say you've got to shout. I don't know which it is. <laughs> you know, somebody help me. Do I shout? Do I, do I make quiet? I don't know. All kinds of things that pe- these, these religious traditions say you've got to do that are really legalism. It's man's own thinking trying to get to God, and it doesn't work. It raises question marks that never go away. The only way that you can remove every question mark about God is by knowing his son because he is God. Study the nature of God through his son. So we are not legalism, legalist people. We are not, you need to do this, and you better not do that, and you can't do this on Sunday, and you better, uh, on November 7th, you better pray three times, and you, you, and I had a lot of that growing up, and I didn't listen to it. I knew, I was just a kid, I knew this can't be right. I didn't know the Bible, but there's something in it, I thought, God can't be like this. This will wear me out. Because even the ones who were telling you to do it weren't doing it. It's true. I mean, you had to, if you really did the whole thing, which I didn't never met anyone who did, you couldn't. It's just too much. Where do you draw the line how many things man says you should do? What must we do to do the works of God? Believe on him whom he sent. Don't add anything to that. And sing a hymn. No. And pray a prayer. No. Believe. Only believe. That's the Jesus way. Believe what? The expression of God's heart. The word of God. Believe in the heart of God as demonstrated to you through the ministry of his son in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. 2 Corinthians 3.6. Let's go there. We're not legalistic people. The New Testament church started meeting on Sundays. When is the Sabbath? Saturday. Do you know there was a massive split in the body of Christ because some Christians said, wait a minute, the Sabbath is Saturday. (gasps) And we're meeting on Sunday. (laughs) And a big split took place. Can you imagine that? I've seen some doozies. And they said, well, well, the the Sabbath is Saturday. And if we're going to meet on the, we got to meet on the Sabbath, not on Sunday. Well, in the New Testament church, they met on the the first day of the week. It became kind of a a regular thing. They met actually daily at first (laughs) in in the temple and in their homes, if you read Acts. But as time went on and and persecution broke out and they got scattered, they began to honor Sunday because that was the first day of the week, the day the Lord rose. You can meet on Tuesday if you want. And you won't go to hell. <laughs> if you end up going there, just tell them I said you're exempt because you can meet on Tuesday. You can meet any day you want. Every day is holy to me. Every day is a holiday to me, man. 
Absolutely. You want to celebrate? I'm in. Galatians is a wonderful book to read about the freedom we have in Christ. Don't let people uh, trap you saying you need to observe this day and you shouldn't do that and, and watch out for the new moon and the full moon. And No. Faith in Christ is where it's at. Believing. Believing in what he did for you. Just believing. Don't let anyone put some weights on top of that. Don't let anyone strap any sacks to your relationship with God, any burdens. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. Okay, we got to, let's see here. How much can we get in this meal today? Yes, I know, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Thank you. 3, 6, 3, 6. Sound like Porky Pig up here. I don't know. That's all, folks. Hallelujah. St. Porky, Porky Pig. Don't you like Looney Tunes? I, I really, I, I miss them. They, 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 they made them politically correct now, and they're, they're not as fun as they used to be. You need some good old-fashioned Bugs Bunny in your life is what you need. <laughs> Let me just see. Okay. I'm just deciding what the next course is here in our meal because there's a lot more that we have time to eat. All right. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in Corinth. And he's writing by the Holy Spirit. He says, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament. What does the word testament mean? Covenant. Right? Another word for covenant, of the new covenant. So you have an old covenant and a new covenant in the Bible, right, in, in the simplest sense. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Legalism kills. Faith in Christ produces life. See, what people don't understand is when you get legalistic, you're putting your faith in your own efforts, and you're putting your faith in yourself and in your own wisdom. That's why legalism kills, because you can't save yourself. <laughs> There's no deliverance in your own strength. There's no deliverance in your own religious tradition. The deliverance you desperately need is through simple faith in the person of Christ, the expression of God's heart, right? The Passion Translation says it this way, he alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law. Can't do this. Don't touch that. Don't listen to that. Can't do this. It's not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. That's why there's no power in legalism. That's why people are miserable who are legalistic. And they're mad at you because you're not as legalistic as they are. They want you to be miserable like they're miserable. So they'll feel better. But it doesn't work either anyway. Right? Legalism cripples you. It binds you. We're, we're about the power of the Holy Spirit, which liberates you and makes you strong. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. I'm going to, I'll take the second option. Thank you very much. Look what Romans 7, 6 says. 
But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held. That's before Christ, right? We were dead. Through sin, we died. That we should serve, but now we're delivered from, from death, right? We're delivered from the curse of sin. That we might serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Way too many Christians with uh, the mind of Moses instead of the mind of Jesus. Old Testament Christians shouldn't be. They haven't come into the new covenant yet in their thinking. So they're living like they're being led by Moses, like they're in the wilderness. But we're not being led by Moses. We're being led by Jesus, and we're in the promised land. He's the fulfillment of every promise. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we're talking about the Word of God, the expression of God's heart. Don't become legalistic with the Bible. It's a big book. You're not going to understand everything you read. I don't understand everything I read. I'll be reading this the rest of eternity. I'll never get to it all. But when you're reading your Bible and you come across a verse or a passage that reveals to you the heart of God, park it and meditate on it. Like John 10.10, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. Park on that for a while. I've been parked on it for about 30 years, and I, no one's going to take my parking spot. <laughs> you see, the power in that one scripture will transform you for the rest of your life. God's word is like that. It's limitless in power. And when you begin to taste of the reality of it, you, you want more. So if someone doesn't understand transformation, when they hear the, uh, a verse like that, they'll say, well, I've heard that already which means they haven't experienced it. When you're experiencing it, listen, you make me a, you make me a, a prime steak, and I'll be over the next day for another one. When I eat something good, I want another one, right? The Word of God is, is the food that we need to be whole, and we eat it every day, right? All right. Hallelujah. So we want to get into the Word, not in a legalistic way, but in a love, life, deliverance, power, wholeness, expression of God's heart way. All right? So as as sons and daughters of God, we're very purposeful about this book. We're very purposeful. We're very deliberate. We study the Scriptures to find passages that reveal to us the heart of God. All right. Now, every, every verse in the Bible is important, but there are some verses that just, here it is, here's the heart of God, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The heart of God. Meditate on that one. We don't have time to get into that. Actually, that's a, that's a healing verse. If you'll start in verse 14 and keep reading, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, he's likening Jesus on a cross to the serpent that Moses held up in the wilderness. 
And he held that serpent up so that God's people could be physically healed from the poisonous bite of the snakes. There was a physical sickness they were dealing with. Jesus came so you could be physically healed today by believing in what he did for you. Hallelujah. 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 So Jesus, speaking of the word of God, we'll finish up here. We'll get into a little bit of it. Man, this is just so good. Uh, I feel like a chef that's made all this delicious food and the restaurant's closing. <laughs> Woo! John 6.63. We'll give you a little bit, and then we'll, we'll get into the rest of it next week. John 6.63. This is Jesus talking. Who's Jesus? The Word of God. The expression of God's heart. John 6.63. He says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh, I think that's a typo there. I should say get, not gives live, gives life. <laughs> that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So in this sense, God is unlike anyone else. Well, in many senses, but specifically we're talking about words. When God speaks, he, he is giving you pure truth. He's not speaking based on social customs or what's co politically correct or what the polls say or who's going to get offended. He, he, he gives you pure truth. It's up to you how much you want to embrace of that. And see, the world's trying to train you to get offended at truth. Because what, so, so you can't hear God when he speaks to you. They want you to get offended if something's true that doesn't agree with your current view on things. That's what the world is doing. That's, Satan's behind that, you know. This whole idea of politically correctness is darkness. You should be able to hear anything and not get offended. Why? Because we know Jesus. You can call me every name in the book. Why would that offend me? I'm a new creation in Christ. Right? We can, we're people that can't be offended. If you're getting offended, you need to renew your mind to who you are and stop being offended. Right? Opportunities to be offended come every day. Don't take them. Right? So Jesus says, the words that I speak are life. They give life. The flesh, not going to help you. It's the spirit that gives life. The words I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. The message translation of verse 63 says, the spirit can make life, sheer muscle and willpower, don't make anything happen. Legalism. Our own efforts. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and it is life-making. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and it is life-making. So here's what we do as followers of Christ. I'll take... It could be anywhere in the Scriptures, Old Testament or New Testament, because Jesus is speaking all the way from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. So, But I'm just turning here, and I'll go to a Scripture, any number of them. Like here, I was, I was meditating on this this week. This was in Matthew chapter 15. 
And again, God's word is spirit and life. It's just as fresh and vibrant today as it was when Jesus spoke it in Matthew 15. It still has the same effect. It makes the lame walk, the blind see, and the deaf hear, and the maimed whole. So I'll read, I'll read through these different things in the scriptures, like this account of a woman who needed healing for her daughter, and she came to Jesus, and the disciples wouldn't let her get to Jesus, but she didn't give up. And, and Jesus said to her, he said, woman, great is your faith. What is faith? Believing the expression of God's heart. Making his heart number one in your life. Elevating the heart of God in your thinking. He said, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. That's the heart of God talking. One translation says, just as you desire. As you wish, one translation says. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. What enabled her daughter to be whole? She opened her mind to the heart of God so that God could flow through her and reach her daughter. This is the transformation that's happening in us, in this highway family. That's all we got time for. Father, thank you. Thank you for your life-giving word. Thank you, Father, for feeding us richly from your table. Lord, we're sitting at your table in the presence of our enemies. In this dark world, we're sitting at your table, and at your table there is health and healing. At your table there is provision and wisdom and direction. At your table is abundance. At your table is everything that you are given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for life in you. Thank you for life sitting at your table. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I'm living in this world, they I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect us. Hallelujah. We are dwelling in you. In the presence of our enemies, Lord, we are, we are sitting at your table. In the presence of the accusations of spirits of darkness trying to condemn us and tell us that we're depressed, that we're failures, that we're uh, um, lost, that we're confused, that we can't get to you, that you're not going to come through for us. Right in the presence of our accusers, we're feasting at your table. Our hearts are resting in the unfailing love you have given us. We're more than conquerors because you're our shepherd. Hallelujah. Jennifer, would you come on up here, please? New England, it's time to know God. It's time to turn away from the voices of man and get to know the voice of perfect truth. God is love. That's who he is. 
God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Love and truth go together. You never have to be afraid of coming to God. Come to him with all your mess, with all your filthy language. Just come to him. You can swear at him. It's all right. He can take it. You don't have to clean up your language to come to God. Just jump in. Say, God, here's my blankety-blank self. I'm coming as I am. I hope you blankety-blank like it because here I am. Come on, you really think God's going to be surprised by a curse word? <gasps> I can't believe they just said that. I'm not talking to them. You come back when you don't have a potty mouth. Right? He loves you. If my children come to me and say something they shouldn't say, I don't reject them. I want to love them into a new life. I want them to know they don't have to talk like that anymore. That there's a better way to talk. So would you come to your father all day today? Would you, would you, would you talk to him as you're driving home? And if you've got to run any errands, or you're going out to eat, or, or you're watching TV later, would, would you talk to him as if he's sitting on the couch next to you? It might change what you watch. I don't know. <laughs> but start talking to him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time together. And we worship you in Jesus' name. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.